Let's welcome Steph up this morning. She's bringing God's word to us as we continue our series, A Very Good Gospel. Perhaps as she's sorting herself out, I'll, uh, I'll pray for you, Steph, if that's okay. Yes, please. If you'd like to maybe reach out your hands towards Steph, I'm sure she'll appreciate your prayers too. Lord, we just thank you for another opportunity to hear from you. And Lord, we just bless you for Steph, Father. We thank you uh, for her wisdom, for her experience, Lord. We ask by your spirit that you would just fill her and overflow with all the things that you have to say to us this morning. Would you bless her? Will you fill her with your presence and your peace? And Lord, would you grant us all uh, a closer and a nearness to you that we've never known before and a, a new revelation of what it is to be family. Amen. Thank you, thank you, Dan. Um, those of you who know me well um, know that I like a really good cry, but I also like a really good laugh. So I'm going to start with a recent image from the hashtag living his best life of Monty, Monty Wilson. So this is Monty Wilson. We don't actually have a hashtag feed, but if we did, this would be on it. We talked about living his best life, and he certainly lives his best life. This is him overlooking Lock Sleeve Shanna. So he was taken there as a test by Steve a couple of weeks ago to check that he didn't chase sheep, generally be a melter, run away, and he passed. Bless him, he didn't know he was in a test, which adds a little bit of a frisson to the event, but he did great. So that is Monty living his best life. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. I spoke enough about living your best life last week. So uh, this morning, my, my topic is shalom within family. And I wonder what you call to mind or who you call to mind when I say family. I wonder, does it make you smile? Does it make you sad? Does it make you confused? I don't know. Who do you call to mind? We all carry wounds. Um, and very often our wounds are at the hands of our family. And sometimes we don't know how to heal them or we don't even know how to own them. And so we develop strategies of control, of, of power, of avoidance. We do all sorts of things to hide our pain. And we wear masks. And these strategies rob us of the fullness of life. And the invitation to join as a member of the family of God is to strip yourself open and allow for the healing that only, only can be found in God. And so I, as you know, work as a family therapist and I've worked as one for about the last 12 years. And what I say to families when I start to get to know them and what I say to individuals if I work with an individual is I say, we will spend an hour together every week and we will do good work in that hour. We will talk, I will ask you questions, we'll try and find a better way. But the real work, the real work is outside of the therapy room. The hour is simply the hour. What happens in your daily life, in your relationships, in your connections is where the work is. And the Lord has really been reminding me of that in these last few weeks. That when we come here to gather on a Sunday, it's simply an hour. The hard work of shalom, the hard work of tending to your soul happens outside of here. It does not happen here. And if you think, if this is the first time that you have thought about shalom since you sat here last Sunday, 
then I would respectfully and in love say to you, shalom will not be yours because the work is outside. The work is leaning into the arms of a good father. The work is spending time in the word. The work is waiting and listening, less talking. That is my attitude to prayer now, less talking and more listening. And so I want to remind you of that. There's a beautiful quote that should come up behind me now. To really thrive in life, our soul needs to be transformed over and over and over again. And I trust that this series, whilst we can offer you much on Sunday, we can only offer you what's in our hands. We can only offer you what the Lord puts in our hearts. Where you will find your shalom will be in the work that you do outside of here. And I hope that in conversation as a community, we can start to do that. Felina, who gave us that quote, she has written a beautiful book on contemplative spirituality. And she would say that that is where the hard work of peace finding happens. We sang last week some beautiful songs. And I think it was Gillian said, I'm leaning in to the arms of a loving father. And that is where you will find your shalom. Tend the garden of your own soul. Till it, weed it, root it out. Do it not only on your own, do it in community, but do it outside of here. This morning is never enough. It's never going to be enough. So, like I said, I'm not going to bore you with um, my learning from family therapy necessarily, but there, are so, there is some wisdom there. I love this promise to the people of God and it's kind of guided my work. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. We know that the last year and a half of a lockdown has, has hit the shalom of many families and many communities. It has hit the shalom of many of our own lives and it will take time and hard work for Shalom to return to our city, our streets, our nation. I don't even know what to say about the week we've had with our, those who govern us. I literally don't know what to say. Shalom is a long way off. So the wisdom that I want to offer you, it's behind me. Family therapy started as a, a kind of a, a branch of psychotherapy about 45 years ago. And these are the things that a family needs in order to thrive and flourish. Okay, so they're behind me. Boundaries, relationships within the family as priority, open communication, that they do conflict well, and that they want the best for all. That there's a sense of belonging, that you're valued and you're important, and also that there's rules and responsibilities. And very often what happens is, some of these things, there's very few families, can I just say, that get this all right. We are broken, messed up people. That's why we live under the grace and mercy of Jesus. So not all of us get this right, but sometimes things will happen and the family will get into trouble. And when we start to look at all these ideas, it can be really helpful for people to start to think, what do we need to do differently? And the idea normally is that one person is in trouble and the family come and say, sort, sort him out, sort her out. That's the nightmare. But the beauty of family therapy and the beauty of living in family is that 
it is never about one person having to change. It is about all of us doing something differently. So when one is not at peace, the whole family is not at peace. And therefore, no one should leave family therapy feeling blamed or responsible because actually the family is part of the healing and recovery. And that is very freeing. And that is what people don't imagine are going to happen. So that is speaking to the family as a nuclear family, which is a Western concept. What we want to talk about this morning and look at is the biblical model of family, which is not about several people and children or varying configurations. The biblical model of family was much greater. I want to go back and look at that. But the biblical model reminds us, as we talked about at the beginning, shalom happens when we are all at peace. So if we look at Genesis 1 and 2, shalom happened. The design of the Father was that we would all live in good relationship with one another, with creation, that the nations would spread out and the whole world would be one family. There would be no such thing as nations and division. That came after the fall. So when Dan spoke this morning about people who come to our country from other nations and we label them immigrants, we are all one. And until we shift our mindset that when our brother is in trouble, I'm in trouble. When my sister is in trouble, I'm in trouble. There is no shalom until we are all at peace. And so the biblical model really reflects beautifully what we think about in therapy, that when one is in trouble, all are in trouble. And when we work for the shalom of all, we will all experience it. In Genesis 1 and 2, men and women had equal dominion and they had equal responsibility. After the fall, we chose to find our own way to peace. And it was only really within the birth of Jesus that the family of God was going to be restored. And it talks about how when the work is done, Jesus will then hand us all back to the Father as a restored and healed family. That will be quite the day, but that is what the promise of the work of Jesus is. So I want to look at the sacramental model of family that is found in the story of God. I, God... God's work here, developing us all as a family, is to bring his active and living presence to a broken, messed up world. And so I don't want to necessarily, I'm not going to speak to one passage this morning. I'm simply going to reference the story of God and his plan for families. I have all the references and I can give them to you um, if you would like to do a little bit more work on it. So if, I, if I'm going to literally speak to those items that I talked about, boundaries, we talked about that last week. In the creation story, God boundaried night and day, light and darkness. He boundaried the sea monsters, the things that keep you awake at night. He said, I am over them all and I will not let them overcome you. That was truly transformative teaching. If we talk about relationships being prioritized. Ephesians 5, 21 teaches about oneness, about leaving your family and joining a new family. In terms of communication, the whole story of God is, a, is stories, story after story of person after person, telling their narrative and in telling their story highlights something of the heart of the Father. If you think about conflict and doing conflict well, go to Proverbs. 
Go to Proverbs. It's full of wisdom for, for conflict. If you want the best for each other, there's obviously all the teachings of Paul in Colossians in particular. In Deuteronomy, feeding the best, feeding those in need. Deuteronomy is full of such wisdom for how we are to live as family and how we are to live as one nation. So Deuteronomy 24, 19, about feeding those in need. The sense of belonging, we taught that series October a couple of years ago, 2019 on Ruth. What we learned from the story of Ruth is that belonging does not come because of blood and place. It becomes a because of relationship. We are all connected. We are all together. If we think of roles and responsibilities, we can go back to creation story. Deuteronomy 6 also talks about drawing the outsider in. And something that the role of woman, woman was created as a helper for man. And there's some people will read that as a kind of a submissive idea. That's spoken about in the New Testament. And we'll talk about that further when we talk about gender. But the word that was used for helper in Genesis is used 19 times. And 15 of those times it is of God. So the woman that was created as a helper the other 15, 15 of the other times that same word was used, it was used of God. So it is not putting women in a place of subordination. It is putting women alongside because if we are to be like God himself, then we are to love and to love and to love and to sacrifice. If you read through Exodus, you'll hear about the generational stuff that the sins of the fathers will go down to the further generation. What we know in this country is that we are now living with transgenerational trauma. It is in the very air that we breathe. 30 years of conflict and the impact is huge. So all these biblical truths, are, we are living out of them in this day and age. Stanley Harwis says, family is a vocation for creating a particular type of community. And so, throughout the New Testament, Paul used family as a metaphor for the church, and he described the church. And Henry Nguyen, a very, a very beautiful teacher, says that community is where humility and glory will touch. And so, where we are invited into, Redeemer, is that we are invited to develop the idea of family being so much more than the Western concept that we have all held. It is so much more. It is about all of us being created to inhabit the earth, to look out for each other, to care for each other. And as long as we continue in this individualized idea, I think we're missing the idea of family. We're missing the idea of the call of the Lord. Father Thomas Keating said, as he was a Cistercian monk, and he said, we live our lives thinking, what can God do for us? But actually the real question is, what can I do for God? What can I do for God? And so I've been thinking about this and what the Lord has really put in my heart is that we've been talking about Imago Dei, the image of God and all. How are we as a community going to draw in those around us and remind them and call out the image of God in them? How will we do that? I don't know about you, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, but so many of us are tired after lockdown. We've started to look at what's actually important. 
What, is, what are our values? What do we want to go back to? What are all the things that you used to do 18 months ago that you've realized you just don't want to go there again? And I believe we are going to be a different family as we emerge out of lockdown, Redeemer. We're different in who's in the room. We're different in all our experiences. And we're different in where we're going. And we're different because of the experiences we have. And I believe that the Lord is calling us to a new stage to reignite our passion for the greater family of God to reignite our heart and to say, how are we as a community of the followers of Jesus, how are we going to bring shalom? How do I carry shalom every day? How do I bring it to the in-between, to the tov mayo that we spoke about on the first week of this series? How do I bring shalom to, to the between of us? And so I've been thinking about this parish <laughs> No fashioned word, but it's true. Donegal Street, this parish, the people who are on our doorsteps, next door are students, hundreds and thousands of them. What do they need from us? What do they want from us? How could we serve them? How could we look at them and call out of them the imago day that is within them? How are we going to do that, Redeemer, as family? How are we going to make sure that when they come and they're far from their own families, that they find shalom here? That they find care and attention and love here? I've been thinking, and I would really encourage you, there's a very powerful povertyac.uk, and it looked at some of the wards in Belfast, and the one that we're part of, Ardoyne and New Lodge, minutes from our front door, minutes from our front door. It's only a matter of weeks since the whole place was taken over by rioting. There is no shalom. The shalom of heaven is not on our streets. And I believe our call is to bring the shalom of heaven to the streets of this city. If you look at the facts, New Lodge, there's a, a powerful video which will undo you, I would hope. And it's called Surviving on the Edge. And it's women talking about their experiences of living in that area on the poverty line. 37% of children in Northern Ireland live in abject poverty. 37%. If you think of the statistics on Great Britain, we are double. We have double the amount of children who live in poverty. And if you grow up in poverty, you will not perform as well together as in education. You are more likely to have mental health issues the rest of your life. You're more likely to end up in the juvenile justice system. And the pattern will continue. Generation after generation, and it has to stop. How will it stop? It will stop by the people of Jesus laying themselves on the floor and repenting of what we haven't done and saying, what can I do for you, God? How will I bring shalom? My daughter is a teacher, and she said that... Um, the work that has been done in the last 20 years to lessen the gap in educational achievement was really starting to narrow. And the impact of lockdown has meant that we've probably put it back a generation. She described how the kids in her school came back in after six months at home, and she said it was like managing feral animals. Because they lost their place of safety, they lost their place of routine, they lost their place of predictability, they lost their place where teachers were keeping an eye on them and loving them. And that is the reality on these streets 
right on our doorstep. And I humbly have been lying this week and thinking, how long do we allow that to continue to happen? How long before we actually step up and do something different? I don't know what that is, but we have to start thinking about the shalom of heaven and the shalom in this city. If we cross the street to the social area that the LGBTQ plus community use, how are we calling out the image of God in those people? How are we saying to them, you are welcome? I'm not getting into a theological discussion on that question. I'm simply saying it is time for us to consider how are we being the people and the hands and the feet of Jesus to our neighbors on the street? The woman who wrote the book has written a great book, which I haven't read, but she quotes it. And it's called Forgive Us, Confessions of a Compromised Faith. And she said, in terms of the LGBTQ plus community, our greatest sin as a church is the lack of recognition of the imago Dei within them. The lack of our love and the subsequent separation is what cuts deep. You can read the statistics on what it's like as a young person to grow up in that community, the mental health, potential mental health impact, etc., etc. The homophobic attacks. We could be here all day talking about this stuff. How do we, as the followers of Jesus, who are called to be one family, to bring shalom to the streets, how will we do that? If you start to think about, well, why would we do that? I want to end with this beautiful, mess, this beautiful passage from the message. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, my brothers, you did it to me. You did it to me. Redeemer, I believe as we emerge from lockdown, I believe that the Lord is calling us to something more. I believe that we're probably tired of what has been. And I believe that perhaps our eyes need open to the least of these who are on our doorsteps, the least of these who we see every day. Whatever your life looks like from Monday to Friday, perhaps this week you start to look at the least of these and think, how do I bring the shalom of heaven to you? Because when I bring the shalom of heaven to you, what is good, what is very good happens between us. That is the call of the Lord. As we live in a community, and I think this is where family is. Family is not this Western idea of mum, dad, children, 
or anything else. It is those on the margins, it is those who are single, it is those who are divorced, it is, the, it is all of us. We are all one. And Henry knew, and I'm going to end with this, no one person can fulfill all your needs, but the community can hold you. The community can let you experience the fact that beyond your anguish, there are human hands that hold you and show you God's faithful love. I believe that that is our challenge, Redeemer. How we are the human hands to hold one another in this community and also to hold hands of welcome to all those around us who are in need, who are broken and lonely and marginalized and on their own. That, I believe, is the call of the Father this morning for me and for us. And I believe it will take hard work. It will take soul searching. It will take sacrifice. It will transform how I spend my time, my money, what I think about, what I focus on. But I believe the Lord is inviting us on a very exciting journey where we lay it all down once again and say, your way, come and have your way. Come to the table. All are welcome and all are loved. I'm gonna, Dave's gonna come and I also want to say that, you know, the thought of family and some of the stuff that we've talked about this morning can be upsetting and sore and can cause um, pain. And if it, if it does, you are to be held in the community here. We would love to walk alongside you, to support you, to love you, and to remind you of God's gracious goodness that is the call on us, Redeemer, as a community, as a family. And if we stop thinking of ourselves as individuals but as one, then perhaps we invite ourselves and each other into a whole new level of connection and community. And in that, we will experience the grace and the mercy and the compassion of the beautiful one, the one that we celebrate now as the table. Let's stand. As we've been doing over these last few weeks, um, I would like to invite you just to come. Oh, I need to do this. Come and take the bread and the wine. Take it back, and then at the end of the song, we will we'll spend time together. This is the reminder that God's plan for family got rebirthed at the cross that the creation story of us all as one, that we lost in the fall, began again at the table. And so when we take the bread and the wine this morning, we are reminding ourselves that that was the call on our lives, that was the design of the Lord, and that as we take the body and the blood, we are invited into the family of Jesus, and we are invited to live as one. Let's worship.